You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So this morning we are going to conclude our series looking at our vision statement. I want to make sure we all know why we were doing this. For one, we want everybody to clearly know who Bethel is and what this church is about. That way when you're standing in line four of Brookshire's or you're at the football game or you're talking to your neighbor, you would be able to know and to communicate who Bethel is and what we are about. But second, my hope is that you would not only know who we are, but that you would then be able to say, and I am Bethel. And so this morning, we were going to walk through, once again, I want to kind of bring us all up to speed, kind of real quick, give us a quick recap, and then we will look at the third paragraph of our vision statement. The first one begins this way, by God's grace and for His glory, probably the most important words of our vision statement. First of all, if we're able to accomplish anything, if we ever see anybody come to know Christ, if we're able to plant a new campus or a new church, support missionaries, it is all because of God's grace. And then if we're able to do anything, it is not because we can pat ourselves on the back or we can feel great about things, is we want God to get the glory. So it is through Him and for Him that we do absolutely everything that Bethel believes. God has called Bethel Bible Church to become a community of several thousand members devoted to worshiping Him, becoming Christ-like disciples and affecting the world through outreach. And we know that's a big mouthful, so we condensed it to two words, and that is growing communities. Believe it or not, whether you like it or not, you introverts, we need other people. In fact, I cannot be who God has designed me to be without you. That is how He has designed it. We need other people. But here's the truth. Relationships are messy. It's not easy. I mean, I know for me, I'm a needy person. I'm selfish. I'm narrow-minded. I'm not easy to get along with often, especially on Saturday evenings. Uh, But God has designed us for community. We want to build communities where we are spurring one another on, as that statement says, to a greater Christ-likeness, that we want to make Christ-like disciples. And that happens in community. The second paragraph reads this way. Bethel is committed to being a leading center in East Texas for Christian discipleship, leadership development, and advanced biblical education. We summarized that last week by building leaders. Remember last week we saw three different leaders. We saw Gaius. And we saw Demetrius, they were, they were selfless and they were shepherding other people. They wanted to see God's kingdom grow. And in the counter to that is we saw Diotrephus, who was very self-centered, driven by pride and arrogance and greed. He was not only there for himself, he was trying to build his own kingdom and he would do anything to protect it. And we talked about... Uh, Very practically, the three different modes or the three different perspectives of leadership with the prophet and the priest and the king. Some of you are kings, some of you are priests, some of you are prophets. And we need all three of those working together. And if we lose one of those, we are not balanced. And then today, the third paragraph, it reads this way. So Bethel is about growing communities, building leaders. And Bethel is committed to influencing the world 
through missions outreach and expects every member's involvement in community outreach, short-term and full-term missions. To best fulfill this purpose, Bethel's intention is to become debt-free and to dedicate a minimum of 15% of its total resources to missions outreach. And so we summarize this by living generously. So we want to be about growing communities, building leaders, and living generously. And if you can't remember that, if you spend $5, you get a t-shirt, we put it right on the back. But we want to be people that are living generously. And it's all around us. Just this week, it was fresh in my mind, and I thought back, that's one of the first things we try to teach our kids. You know, you need to share. They're not born with a sharing gene. So we try to teach them that we want them to live generously. And then Paul Keel, one of our elders, he changed my life. Uh, Paul Keel introduced me on the canoe trip to Dr. Bonner's peppermint soap. I'm telling you, this stuff will change your life. I mean, tingly all over. This stuff is unbelievable. I'll even pass around and let you all smell it. It's, it's great. But one day I noticed, I thought, man, there is a lot of words on this bottle. So, yes, I had to get my readers out. But I, this is a soap company. Been in business for over 150 years. And listen to what this soap company says. They say, this is what we are about. The best soap out there, guaranteed or your money back. This is, but this is their motto. In all that we do... Let us be generous, fair, and loving. I mean, this is a company that's been making the best soap in the world for 150 years, and their motto says, above all things, we want to be generous. And so this idea of generosity is all around us. But there's also the negative side. Yesterday I was running, and JT Misty, I was actually turned on uh, Hill Creek, was headed up your street, and... uh, all of a sudden, this cyclist came running by, yelling at me, get out of here, get out of here. And I look up, and there are two of the biggest, meanest dogs chasing this bicyclist. This bicyclist flew by me, and there I am. <laughs> so what do I do? I take off running, and I'm thinking, I have nothing on me but two little water bottles. If they're thirsty, maybe that's my only way out. So I'm hoping they were chasing the cyclist long enough that they gave up, but I Turned around, you could see my run, man, I'm going, all of a sudden it's the other way. Speed went up, everything, heart rate. Well, about an hour later, I'm coming down my road, I'm done, I'm walking. And that cyclist comes back right right by me. All she says is, did they chase you? And I'm thinking, well, no help from you that uh, you you were not very generous there. I'm thinking at least it could have been two against two, but she just left me. And so the idea of being generous is all around us and so we want to be a church we want to be a group of people who give their lives away because we treasure something more than anything this world could offer us that we want to be a group of people that are growing communities building leaders but we want to be known as a group of people that give our lives away and so today we're going to talk about what it means to live generously now when we hear this term we often First of all, think of money, and yes, that is a part of it, but it is so much bigger and broader and deeper than just money. But members, you know, you go through the membership process, that is our responsibility. It's not the responsibility of those that are attending or guests. That is the responsibility of members. A great question that I often get, you can give online, or we have a box here in the back. We do not put a lot of human pressure on you. We want that to be between you 
and God as an act of worship. But it is so much bigger than just giving money. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to talk about three things. I want us to be challenged to live lives that are overflowing with generosity. That means time. That means money. That means with your talents, with your life experiences, that we want to be people that are overflowing with generosity. Number two, I want us to all be reminded that there is something that we're going to talk about that goes beyond your money, it goes beyond your time, your talents, your resources, that we need to be generous with. In fact, we can get all the other things right, but if we miss being generous with this one thing, we will absolutely miss the mark, and we're going to talk about that at the end. And the third thing that the key, if we really want to be a people that are being generous, the purpose and what we must do is to focus on how generous God is with us. So this morning, I want to build everything around this statement that generosity is a sign of a heart that is captivated by Jesus. Generosity is a sign of a heart that has been captivated by Jesus. So I want to invite you once again to the third book of John. We've been there the last two weeks looking at our vision statement. We used this small book, about 300 words, 15 verses, Remember, this is written by John. He's probably in his late 80s, early 90s, right before he was sent to be exiled to Patmos. And he is writing to a man named Gaius, who is the leader of a church. And he he, he, uh, commends Gaius for his hospitality to these traveling missionaries that would come through. They would travel from town to town of taking the truth of who Jesus is, calling people to repent and to trust in Jesus, And Gaius was a man that opened up his home and his life to these people. John also gave us the counter to that in Diotrephus, the man that very opposite him. He was selfish. He was prideful. In fact, John, remember, he had written several letters that Diotrephus hid from the other people in the church. He was threatened by that. He forbid anybody for helping these missionaries. In fact, if he found out that that you did, he would try to have you kicked out of the church. But this week, I've, I've thought a lot about him. I've thought a lot about Diotrephus this week. And I wonder what changed. Because I don't personally believe that that is how he began. I think Diotrephus was, at one time, could have even been the one that started this church. John knew him. John wrote him letters. So what was it that changed in Diotrephus? So later, I want to share with you what I think happened to him. John then concludes with a man named Demetrius that John said had a good testimony for everyone. But what I want to do today is I want to focus, since we're probably very familiar with this book now, I want to focus on verses 5 through 8, where we will see that generosity is a sign of a heart captivated by Jesus. Beginning in verse 5 of 3 John. He says, Beloved, It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. So what was Gaius doing to these brothers, in fact, strangers? He was opening up his home, opening up his life, sharing what he had with these men that were traveling through his city. We know Gaius was probably standing up to Diotrephus. He refused. Who said you were forbidden to help other people, but... But guys refused to follow his lead, but instead he provided shelter and food, perhaps clothing and support to these men. 
but we haven't talked about this. Look at verse 5 of a phrase that gives us a lot of insight into Gaius. It says, beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do. John was not just praising Gaius for this, this one act of kindness. In fact, if you have the NIV, it reads, faithful in what you are doing. John is showing us that being generous and hospitable was a part of his, his character. The guys was not just a once a year, I don't know, angel tree participant at Christmas. This was something that he was generous to his core and to his being. That, that is just who he was. It just flowed out of everything that he did. But what was it? What makes him generous in giving? We'll look at the next uh, second half of six and seven and eight. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles or the pagans. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. So John says that you will do well, which translates, he's saying, please, please send these men on their journey in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to God the Father. And here's the key. Here's how he was able to do this. He says... For they had gone out for the sake of the name. Gaius is giving to something that is far greater than just a few men traveling from town to town. Gaius is generous not just because these men are in need. He is generous because of the one behind these men. It says that he is generous because of the name. Now, what is the name we know? If you were to look through scriptures, it's the name actually above all names. He is talking about Jesus Christ. In fact, guys, is generous not just because these men needed something, but because his heart had been captivated by the name. And that was what was driving him. That was what was causing him to be generous and giving. In fact, guys gave and he opened up his life and his home for one reason. It was simply Jesus. And it really is that simple. You know why we should be people that live generously? It is not because it's the third paragraph in our vision statement. It's not because we're a church that's any better than any other church. And it's not just because that's what good Christians are supposed to do. We are to live generous lives because of the name. In fact, sending Jesus for us was the most generous act that God the Father could ever do for us. And when our eyes are set on that, we can't help but to be generous. You will say, all that I have and all that I am is because of Him. And then being generous is just who you are. You almost can't help it. So I want to flesh that out a little bit in just a moment. I want to talk about then what does that mean to be to be motivated by the name, to be generous because of him. But let's finish the passage first. John says to Gaius and the others to support these missionaries and people like them. And when they do, it says that they become fellow workers in verse 8. Man, John is doing some interesting things here with the words. He's trying to give them a picture of something. He's trying to help them understand that when you support a missionary, when this man comes into your home and maybe you give him a new pair of sandals or you provide him food, you give him money to bring him to the next town, there's something that is happening. 
And God says, when you do that, wherever that missionary goes, whatever town he touches, wherever he goes and whoever's life he begins to speak truth into, it's if you are going with him and when he speaks, you're speaking. Which means that this morning, if we supported the missionaries in Sierra Leone, Africa, that were six hours ahead of us, meaning this morning when they stood up and the truth was being proclaimed, was as we were standing there speaking with them. When that couple in, in Italy is frustrated and they're discouraged, and once again they're opening up their dinner table to some people to come in and sit with them in hopes that they can build a relationship with them to share Christ, as if you're sitting around that table with them. So John says, when you go where they go, you are going together. And a life that is changed by the gospel will be a generous life. In fact, we get the opportunity to partner all over the world. And I'm so excited that we're going to add something to life groups this year. Life groups in two weeks are about to start. If you're not in a life group already... We don't have a great system, so here's what you, if, if you're sitting there and you think, you know what, this is a year we want to be in a life group, or we've been hearing about this, and we want to get in someone's home to get to know other people, send me an email. That's all I know to do. Send me an email, markabethelbible.com. Send me an email, and I will get you in touch with a group. If somebody will contact you. Uh, maybe you'll be, you will be invited, or maybe today you're going to meet somebody. But go to a life group. Because here's what we're going to do. Every life group is going to be partnered up with a missionary in a different part of the world. Meaning your group is going to pick somebody that's going to communicate with that foreign missionary. Every week, they're going to send them an email. Because this is so amazing. We've sat down. I've talked to the missions committee. They said every time we ask, what is your greatest need? They all say prayer. So we're going to be a people that says, you know what? We can do that. And we're going to be praying for these people every week, especially as a life group. And your life group is going to get to know them through their prayer requests. You're going to get to communicate back and forth. Maybe a life group even gets to sit down one evening and maybe even Skype with them. Can you imagine what that can mean if you were a foreign missionary sitting in a lonely part of the world wondering why you're there and there's a group of people over in White House, Texas that are gathering around in a living room and you know they're praying for you. So our life groups are going to be partnered up because where they are, we are. When they speak, we speak. And we want to be partnering with them in the gospel. So if you are not in a life group, please send me an email. We want to connect everybody to a group. So the rest of our time, this is what I want to do. I want to flesh that out a little bit about the idea of giving and supporting because of the name. It's interesting. that What do they mean by that is our motivation? That we are to be about living during lives of giving our lives away because of the name. You know, there's a lot of motivations out there. There's a lot of ways that our people are trying to get you to be generous and to get me to be giving. And I wonder, are we generous people? And if we are, what motivates us? I've heard a lot of interesting ones. I've even preached some, some good, some are really bad. Some I've, I've confessed and thought, man, Lord, I had no idea what I was doing, but somehow used that. So here's a few things that we could be motivated by. One, we could be motivated to live generously because of fear. What I mean by that is you might be uh, motivated to, to give so that God keeps your car running. 
man, I'm going to give this 10% so that nothing in my house breaks. And we are just motivated simply out of fear. You know, we're just trying to maybe keep the karma. Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to give my time because I don't want anything bad to happen to me. Or you know what? Maybe the motivation comes by personal gain. And I have a bad habit. Well, I have a lot of bad habits, but I have a really bad habit on Sunday mornings. I get up early, and as I'm studying, I like background noise, and I always turn on the TV evangelist. And listen, there's some great ones out there. I was listening to Charles Stanley this morning, his big old Bible propped open. Man, he's just, just quietly just delivering God's truth. But there are some men out there that need to be ashamed. There are some out there that you can turn on. I heard one just even last week that said, you know what, you need to give so that you obligate God to bless you. And what we're doing, we're teaching, and we're trying to give a motivation to be generous for personal gain. You plant this seed, and they say, you know what? That God is obligated to bless that a hundred times over. And simply, we're trying to motivate people by personal gain, and I need you to know that that is absolute heresy. Give so that God will bless you. The third one I thought of. It's just guilt, and this is probably the one I've been most guilty of. And You know, we may be doing a campaign or something, and, man, we would talk about how blessed we are as Americans, that we live in the, the 2% of all the wealth of the world. And, you know, show of hands, how many of you have two cars, and everybody has their own bedroom and a, a pantry full of, full of food. And, oh, I'm realizing all that we're doing is we're trying to motivate out of guilt. And I don't believe that honors God either. Another form of guilt is simply to pay back. Oh, I once heard somebody say that the least, that Jesus Christ died for you, the least you can do is to do this. I mean, all we're trying to do is to motivate people that you could actually pay God back. I mean, how wrong would we be that those would be the words for our motivation? Because if there is any way we can pay God back, it is an amazing grace at all. So what is it? What is it that should motivate us to to live generous lives, to be people that are giving their lives away. Well, Jesus often refers to himself in Scripture as the fountain of living water. So here's a better picture. And Man, there, I hope there's no fear in this. I hope this is not for personal gain. It isn't for guilt, and hopefully especially it isn't to pay someone back. But how do we think about this in a different kind of idea? It's like a fountain. Jesus describes himself as a fountain of living water. You know, we don't drink of this fountain and then take our bucket of, of dirty water, go to that fountain that was so great for us, and, and then take our buckets of dirty water and, and trying to pay it back. You know, man, I don't want anything bad to happen to me, so, so I'm going to give, or well, I'm just trying to, to keep the karma in my home, so I'm just going to go and volunteer and do this, or, well, you know what, they told me if I throw my bucket in there that... All of a sudden, I'm going to have a hundred buckets or, you know, I'm going to do this so that, uh, you know, yes, God has blessed me and I have all these things I, I need to be doing and therefore, man, I just feel a little guilty because, yes, my family goes and we've got plenty of food and I know there's others that don't and clean water, so I, I'm just going to give. But there's such a better picture of what should motivate us for the name. Instead of us trying to throw our dirty water back into this fountain, maybe it's something like this. We come to that fountain hopefully continually, and we just soak in it. We put our feet in, wash our faces, and we enjoy it. And then you know what we do? We drink our fill. 
So we feel like we just can't drink anymore. And then we take our bucket, dirty as it is, and we dip it in that fountain. We carry it back down the mountain. We take it to somebody and we say, here, you have got to taste this. And you know what? There is more of it right up there on that mountain. And his name is Jesus. That is what should motivate us. That Jesus doesn't want us to pay him back. He's never asked us to do that. He doesn't want us to try to earn his love. He wants us to live generously because of him. It includes our time. It includes our talents, our resources, our experiences. And he especially wants us to be generous with the gospel. So we have tasted, and the scripture says, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then that is what should motivate us to be people that live generously. It is what should motivate, and that's what motivated guys, and that's what motivated those traveling missionaries, that he was motivated out of the sheer gratitude for Jesus stepping into his place and paying the price for his sins and then granting him eternal life with the loving Father. And he says, that is why I do what I do. So guys was generous to the Lord first and foremost. And then it was shown to other people. And this is what I have noticed this week. That thought is all throughout Scripture. Just listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. It says, For they gave according to their means. And listen, they did not have much. As I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. They gave more than they had, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief that they were begging. Take our money. But look at verse 5. And this, not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to others. That it started there. You could turn to Matthew 10 verse 42 where it says, And whoever gives of these little ones even a cup of cold water, it says because he is a disciple. That it begins with Jesus first. John MacArthur says it this way, Generosity is impossible apart from our love of God and of His people. But if such love, generosity not only is possible, but is inevitable. Meaning generosity is more than tithing. It is more than just giving money. In fact, a stingy person can give 10%. But it's like Kent Hughes said. Really, there is no such thing as a Christian Scrooge. That generosity is a sign of a heart that has been captivated by Jesus. Because the more we progress to become Christ-like disciples, like in paragraph 1, the deeper the gospel goes into our soul, and the deeper the gospel gets into you, all of a sudden you realize that your fingers begin to loosen on your life. And you realize, you know what, anything I have, it's His. Anything I've ever accomplished, it's His. And all of a sudden, we're not holding on to life like we used to. Generosity is one of the greatest evidences of a person truly being a Christian. It is a sign of a heart that has been captivated by the name. In fact, we need to be generous with our money. We need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our experiences toward other people, inviting them into our lives. But listen, we can give our money away. We can invite people to come and enjoy something. We can even give and volunteer and use our talents. 
But if we miss the mark on the last part, because there is something that needs to be gener- that we need to be generous with. We need to be generous with what I'm about to tell you in such a way that people might just think we're crazy. We need to be so generous with this last part that there might be some people that don't understand and would actually shy away from even being your, your friend. We need to be over the top generous with our grace towards each other. And I'm telling you, if, if we do that, if we are over the top generous with grace towards one another, we can't help for this to be a great church. Yeah, we could have the biggest budget, we could have the biggest buildings, we could have all of these things, but if we are not generous with grace towards each other, we totally miss the mark. Man, we can be over the top generous when we are over the top generous with our grace and our forgiveness and our love towards others. That is when we know that our hearts are captivated by the name. So here's how we get there. I thought about our man Diotrephus, and how did he lose his way? I don't think he started out that selfish and that self-centered and guarding everything. I don't think that that's what he did. But somehow he ended up there. I believe it's because he lost sight of something. Diotrephus lost sight of that what we were going to see that turned him into a selfish and a, a prideful man. He actually lost sight of how gracious God was to him. Because think about it, when we forget about how gracious God is towards us, we begin to tell ourselves that what we have, that we've achieved. When we forget how generous God is to us, we start believing that we are deserving and we live entitled and demanding lives. When we forget how generous God is towards us, we find it easy to withhold grace and love and forgiveness to others. But if we'll remember. If we will remember how gracious and generous God is. Then we'll remember that simply anything that we ever do. It's because of his blessing. If we're able to accomplish anything. It's because of him. If we can remember how gracious God is. Complaining gives way to gratitude. And self-focused desires give way to worship. And so generosity is a sign of a heart that is captivated by Jesus. So who is Bethel? This is what I would hope over the last three weeks that you walk away with. That Bethel is a group of people that are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that we exist by God's grace to grow communities, to build leaders, and then to live generously for His glory. And I hope that you'll be able to say, and I am Bethel. So this is it, that we would leave here today committed to being over the top generous with our grace toward others. And that right there, that is what will make us a great church. Let's pray. Father, I admit that, and I'm often a self-centered and self-focused and prideful person. And I pray that I would never forget 
what you have done for me. In fact, on my behalf, when I stood as an enemy of yours. And that we would all be reminded of that. That we would be constantly reminded of how generous you are to us. And man, if we ever lose sight, if we can't ever think of something, that we would be reminded of the most generous gift that you could ever do for us, is that you sent your son, who didn't have to come, but he left his place of honor next to you to come to become one of us, to redeem us, to save us, and to provide a way for us to have an eternal relationship with you and heavenly bliss. But you didn't leave us in our stuff. And Father, if that would always overwhelm us, that we would never be able to think too long about the gospel, that we aren't just driven to be generous. And we think of what you have done for us, man, our hands on this life begin to loosen, and there isn't anything that we would not want to give for the sake of your son to name. Our time, our money, our talent, even our family that there isn't anything that we would not hold too tight, that we would be willing to abandon everything, that it's all because of you and what you have done for us. And so, Father, as a church, as a group of people, it is by your grace and for your glory that we want to be about growing communities that are spurring one another to a greater Christ-likeness, that are building leaders, that, that people are using their gifts that you have given them to, to inspire others, to lead others. And that above all, that we would be a group of people that are living generously. And that we would leave here today, that we would leave here today being over the top generous with our grace toward others because that's how you are. So it is in your son's name and by the power of your spirit we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.